is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on this Monday, February the 6th, here on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at Feeds Guys No Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. That is the number to dial. Happy Monday. Super Bowl week is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Big time matchup Sunday evening in Arizona. It's the Chiefs. It's the Eagles. It's Mahomes. It's Jalen Hurts for the rights to play for the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. So we got the Super Bowl Sunday even in Arizona. I'm going to talk about that matchup here in a bit. Devontae Adams is doing some some heavy recruitment of Aaron Rodgers. So Devontae wants A-Rod in Vegas. I'm going to talk about that later, later on in the show as well. And also, the Los Angeles Chargers, they hired Kellen Moore as their new offensive coordinator. So I'm going to get into that here in a bit as well. And what it means for Justin Herbert moving forward. Kellen Moore now, the OC in L.A. with the Chargers. So I'll get into that here in a bit. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Any thoughts on the Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles? Who is your favorite to win NFL MVP? Who's your favorite to win Super Bowl MVP? Any Bingo fans that's listening to the show tonight? Any offseason moves that you want to talk about that the Bengals should or should not make? Call to the show. We can talk about that as well. A lot of things we're going to talk about on the show tonight. But we begin in the NBA in Dallas. A big-time trade happened yesterday in the NBA. The Brooklyn Nets traded Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks, they received Kyrie Irving and forward Markeith Morris. The Nets receive Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick, also a 2027 and 2029 second-round pick as well. So a big-time trade in the NBA yesterday with the Nets and the Mavericks. So Kyrie Irving is headed to Dallas. So... My initial reaction to seeing this trade take place yesterday was the Dallas Mavericks in the short term. In the short term, they improved their basketball team because when they lost Jalen Brunson last year in the offseason to the New York Knicks, they lost someone who could make plays when Luka was on the bench. And that's where the Mavericks have struggled this season so far 
when Luka goes to the bench, the Mavericks aren't very good. They're not very good. With Luka on the court, the Mavericks, they had they offensive rating is 118.7. That's the best in the NBA. With Luka off the court, the Mavericks offensive rating is 106.8. That's the worst in the NBA. So them losing Jalen Brunson in the offseason to free agency, they lost someone who could make plays when Luka was on the bench resting and so forth. So Luka had to play a lot of minutes throughout games. And, you know, the longer the season goes, you get into the postseason. You got Luka playing all these minutes because you can't take him off the floor if you're Jason Kidd. You can't take Luka off the floor if your team is struggling. Now that you bring in a Kyrie Irving, a player who can also create off the dribble, is a one of the best skilled guards ever in NBA history, also a playmaker. I think that helps this Dallas Mavericks team when it comes to being able to leave Luka on the bench for a significant period and you still be able to score points. You still be able to score points. So I thought that was where the Mavericks improved the most with this trade. And offensively, once Luka comes back to the floor, because Kyrie Irving is going to make his debut Wednesday night against the Clippers. Once Luka returns back from his injury, Luka and Kyrie offensively will be unstoppable. I, I don't see them having any issues whatsoever from an offensive standpoint. I think when you look at the best duos in the Western Conference, I think about the Joker and Jamal Murray. I think about LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think about also the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You, you, you got to throw the Dallas Mavericks in the mix now with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. I think this is a terrific duo from a scoring perspective. But defensively, the Dallas Mavericks, they did lose a part of their defensive personnel when they traded away Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith was their best perimeter defender. And now that you trade him away to the Brooklyn Nets, you give up something defensively. Now, adding Kyrie Irving, maybe Kyrie Irving in his offensive skills can make up for that defensive presence that Finney Smith had on his team, but it is, it is undeniable that trading away Finney Smith defensively, the Mavericks, they lose something on that side of the floor. Now, we know Dorian Finney Smith is not a scoring machine like Kyrie Irving is, but defensively, that's where he has his most impact on this Mavericks basketball team. So as great as the Mavericks are going to be scoring the basketball with Luka and Kyrie, they're going to struggle defensively. Teams are going to be able to score against this Dallas Mavericks basketball team. And as great as you are offensively in the playoffs in April, May, and June, the teams who can defend are the teams that usually advance farther in the postseason and in the playoffs. So I like what they were able to add offensively, given the fact they can rest Luka more, and when they put Luka on the bench, offensively they, they won't fall off. They won't have any kind of drop-off from a scoring perspective. But defensively, they're going to struggle. Also, it's going to be adjustment for Luka and Kyrie because both players are used to having the basketball in their hands. So – I'm interested to see how Luka 
does alongside Kyrie when Kyrie has the basketball in his hands. Now, Kyrie doesn't get enough credit for how he's able to perform off the ball. Remember, Kyrie Irving played with LeBron James in Cleveland. So when he was in Cleveland with LeBron, we know LeBron James is a ball-dominant player, and Kyrie Irving was still able to perform at a high level when he played alongside Brian in Cleveland. So I think Kyrie doesn't get enough credit for his ability to play off the ball. But Luka, I don't know how Luka is going to transition from having the ball in his hands 100% of the time to having to share the basketball when he's on the floor with Kyrie. That's going to be a major, major adjustment for Luka Doncic. It really, really is. So, again, in the short term, I like this trade for the Mavericks. I believe that the Mavericks are a better basketball team with Kyrie today than they were yesterday without Kyrie Irving. But defensively, they're going to struggle at being able to stop opposing teams. But most of the defensive teams are in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, teams that really, really pride themselves defensively, they're on that side of the of the conference. So, again, you look at what Kyrie Irving's bringing to the table now that he's in Dallas. That Kyrie Irving this year has 15 30-point games this season. Other players, not named Luka Doncic, they have six 30-point games this season. So, Kyrie Irving instantly is going to bring offense to this team. And I believe that having Jason Kidd in place, that's also going to help this basketball team be able to thrive as well. Because you got Luka and you got Kyrie, and Jason Kidd is one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. Especially a great passing point guard in his prime. So that's something that's going to definitely, definitely help this Dallas Mavericks basketball team. You look at what Luka and Kyrie has been able to do this year. Luka Doncic, the man is averaging 33 points per game on 50% shooting from the floor. Kyrie's averaging 27 points per game on 49% shooting from the floor. And I believe that Kyrie Irving is the most skilled guard in NBA history. I love Allen Iverson. We know Allen Iverson won an NBA MVP. Iverson was a great player in that Philadelphia 76ers organization, and he carried that Philadelphia 76ers team to the NBA Finals the year he won NBA MVP against the Lakers. And Iverson was a great, great player. I mean, the answer was uh, all-time great. I love AI. Definitely one of the greatest players I've ever seen play basketball. Even Allen Iverson isn't as skilled as Kyrie Irving is. There is not a better finisher at the rim than Kyrie Irving is. Seriously. He finishes at the rim like he's 6'8 or 6'9. That's how great Kyrie Irving is. We know how dynamic of a ball handler Kyrie Irving is. But... With all that being said, we all know that from a talent perspective, there is nothing to question when it comes to Kyrie Irving. He's box office. 
He's very skillful overall as a basketball player. And he's also very, very clutch. Ask the Golden State Warriors about how clutch Kyrie is. Then he back to their finals matchup in 2016 when Kyrie hit that game-winning game seven shot over Kyrie Irving. I mean, over Steph Curry. Ask him, ask the Warriors about how clutch Kyrie is. But the problem with Kyrie Irving is whether or not he's going to show up for work. We all know whether it's in a relationship, at your workplace, whatever it is, best ability is availability. And Kyrie Irving has struggled with being available with the Brooklyn Nets. You look at what he's done when he's with the Brooklyn Nets. This is his entire Brooklyn Nets tenure. He played in 156 games. That was the games that he played in. He missed 142 total games. So in totality, that's 298 games total since he's been a member of the Brooklyn Nets. The man played in 156 total games of that 298. If my math is correctly, that's 52% of the games that Kyrie Irving played in while he was a member of the Brooklyn Nets. So that means he missed 48% of the games while he was a Brooklyn Net. And that's my biggest issue with Kyrie Irving. It's not about his ability. It's not about his talent. It's not about whether or not he's going to produce when he plays. The issue is getting this brother to the arena and actually playing basketball. Whether it's because of a vaccine shot, whether it's because of things off the court that Kyrie Irving is dealing with, whatever reason, Kyrie Irving struggles to be consistent at being available. And that's been the biggest issue with Kyrie Irving since he's been a member of the Brooklyn Nets. And you got to remember, Kyrie Irving, this is going to be his fourth basketball team in his career. He wanted to leave Cleveland because he didn't want to play in the shadows of LeBron James. He departs Cleveland, goes to Boston, teams up with a young Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The Celtics were better without Kyrie Irving because the year he didn't play and he was injured, they took LeBron James seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Kyrie Irving returns back to the floor the following year, and the Celtics get beat in the second round against the Milwaukee Bucks. With Kyrie Irving, he departs Boston. After telling the Boston fans that he wanted to be there long term, he goes to Brooklyn. And while in Brooklyn, whether it's because of the vaccine, whether it's because of the documentary that he retweeted that was anti-Semitic, whatever it is, Kyrie Irving has missed 48% of his games while he's been a member of the Brooklyn Nets. And when I look about the Brooklyn Nets overall and their totality with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant as teammates over the last four seasons, this includes the playoffs, they played in 87 games. Their record was 53 and 34. They had two playoff appearances. They were six and seven in 
the playoffs, including this previous year in the playoffs where they got completely swept by the Boston Celtics and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant only won one playoff series. One playoff series between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? They completely underachieved as a duo. Seriously. I expected big things from Kyrie and Kevin Durant when they teamed up to play together in Brooklyn. And the duo won one playoff series. And in the playoffs, they went six and seven. Now, that one year when it was James Harden, who was also a part of this duo in Brooklyn, they had a trio of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. That season, Kyrie got injured against Giannis in the Milwaukee Bucks. And James Harden was also injured. He was dealing with a hamstring injury at the time. They got beat in the second round of that series against Giannis and Middleton. And the Bucks went on to win the NBA Finals. But to go 6-7 and seven over four seasons as a dynamic duo is a complete failure. And honestly, when I think about Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant as a trio, they all failed as a trio. And they definitely, definitely did not live up to expectations. Because when I th thought about Kyrie, Harden, KD, I'm thinking they're going to be unstoppable offensively. These are three of the most skilled offensive players in NBA history. How can you stop KD, Kyrie, and James Harden? It's impossible. And they won one playoff series. So obviously James Harden won it out the next year. He departs Brooklyn for Philly. They bring in Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons has not been the same Ben Simmons in Brooklyn compared to what he was in Philly. So, again, I believe Kyrie and KD both failed as a dynamic duo in Brooklyn. It was a dysfunctional organization in Brooklyn overall. And I believe that Sean Marks, the general manager for the Nets, and the owner, Josiah, they were ready to just cut ties with Kyrie. And it was reports that Josiah, he didn't even want to trade Kyrie to the Lakers. The Lakers were having conversations with the Nets, so are the Suns as well, about trading for Kyrie Irving. And we know Kyrie Irving wanted to go to Los Angeles and play with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And if they would have been able to pull that off, I believe the Lakers would have been the favorites in the Western Conference with Kyrie, with LeBron, and with a healthy Anthony Davis. But Josiah didn't want to trade Kyrie to the Lakers. And this is because of how Kyrie conducted himself while he was a member of the Brooklyn Nets. And it was mainly just because of his inability to be available. Kyrie Irving is a tremendous person off the floor. Tremendous. Like Kyrie Irving, he donates to charity, and he has no problem giving back to his community. He's a great, great brother in the African-American community. He really, really is. He is not this terrible person that the media tries to give 
this bad perception of. That's not who Kyrie Irving is. Kyrie Irving is a good brother. He really, really is. From a brother to another, Kyrie Irving is a good brother. Don't let the media fool y'all. The problem with Kyrie Irving is his inability to be available. These owners of these teams, they don't want to pay you all this money and invest in you if they don't know if you're going to be available on a night-in and night-out basis to play basketball. You got one job, bro. One job. Now, again, I had no issues with Kyrie Irving sitting out because of the vaccine. I think that's something that should be a choice on taking the vaccine. I think the vaccine mandate was ridiculous. I've been consistent with that thought process. But the whole anti-Semitic video when he was out for that, I didn't like that suspension either. But he had a bunch of issues even before all of that took place with the vaccine and the anti-Semitic video. you got to play and be available. And the thing for Kyrie Irving is, I think now that he's going to be in Dallas with Luka Doncic, this is Luka Doncic's basketball team. So Luka Doncic is the number one player on this team. It's his team. Kyrie Irving is a perfect number two on a championship contender. He can't be a number one because he's not a great leader. We found that out when he went to Boston when he played with a young Tatum and young Brown. But he could be a tremendous number two on your team. And I think in the short term, he's going to help the Dallas Mavericks contend for a championship this year. Now, in the West, you got the Denver Nuggets with Murray, with Joker. Okay? We also got in the Western Conference, the Clippers with Paul George, with Kawhi Leonard. We know Steph is going to return back to the court at some point for the Warriors, the defending NBA champions. And then you still got the Memphis Grizzlies, despite their struggles recently. They got John Morant. They got Desmond Bain. They got Jackson. Okay? So the Western Conference, with the addition of Kyrie Irving now in the mix, it's a loaded Western Conference. It really, really is. Like the West, <laughs> you look at the Western Conference, it is loaded out West. Now, I think the best team in the NBA right now is the Boston Celtics with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They are the defending Eastern Conference champions for a reason, and they've been playing some good basketball in the first half of the season. But looking at the West right now, the Nuggets are number one. The Grizzlies are number two, despite their struggles recently. The Kings are the number three seed. Clippers, number four. The Suns, they've been inconsistent all season long. At some point, Devin Booker is going to return back to the floor if he stays healthy, too, as he willing to defer to Luka. The West is loaded. Yes. Yes, that's that's Sharif. I'm on Sports Talk. My man, Sharif, what's up, bro? Yeah, he got – yeah, if he stays healthy, I think offensively the Mavericks will have zero issues at scoring the basketball. Zero. But losing Dorian Finney-Smith – it's going to hurt them defensively. It really, really is. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Kyrie Irving and Luka play together as teammates in Dallas. And I want to see if the Mavericks sign Kyrie Irving to a long-term contract after the season. Because that's the biggest question now. This is, this is really an experiment for the Mavericks. Jason Kidd, Mark Cuban. This is an experiment for them because if they don't like the way it goes, 
They can easily allow Kyrie Irving to walk at the end of the season. They don't have to pay him. So if it goes bad, they can allow him to walk. If it goes good, they can maybe negotiate a short-term contract. Because if I'm a basketball team and I'm an owner or a general manager, I'm not giving Kyrie Irving a long-term extension. I'm not going to do it. I will pay Kyrie Irving on a year-to-year basis. I, I don't care if it's $50 million for one year. I will pay Kyrie Irving that because Kyrie Irving has to prove to me that he's going to be available night in and night out. Your best ability is availability. And he's going to prove to me that he's going to be available before I give him a long-term contract. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. For the break, I'm going to discuss the Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles. I'll be right back. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is a number to dial. Anything you want to particularly talk about, the Kyrie Irving trade, to the Dallas Mavericks, the Mavericks now have their second piece on their championship team. Now, Dallas, in the Western Conference, you're going up against the likes of LeBron and AD, going up against the likes of Joker and Murray, Kawhi, Paul George, Clay, Steph, and now they got their dynamic duo with Luka and Kyrie. My only question for the Mavericks is going to be, how are they going to perform against those teams who are big like like who like I'm looking at the Mavericks they're starting five obviously they're gonna have Kyrie Irving and they're going to have Luka as well they're going to have Hardaway Bullock and Christian Wood that's their potential starting five they're going to be small I think they're going to be small that's the one one question I would have about the Dallas Mavericks is rebounding. We know Luka and Kyrie can score the basketball at a high level, but can you rebound the basketball in the postseason? It's going to be important because Reggie Bullock, he's small, but he also is a great shooter, so he can stretch the floor with his perimeter shot-making ability. And Christian Wood, this year he's averaging 18 points per game. He's going to help them on the interior as well but they're going to have to possibly make another deal to try to get, get bigger and more stronger on the interior. I think that's going to be important as well. Also, it's funny because this was on the New York Daily News. This was the headline. This was a picture of Kyrie Irving. It says, he's your headache now. <laughs> that was the New York Daily News' headline on Kyrie Irving being dealt from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. Let's transition 
to the NFL, and let's talk about the NFL Super Bowl this Sunday on Fox. It's a 6.30 p.m. kickoff. The over-under for this game is 50 and a half points. Brandon Ayuk, the receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, he had some interesting comments on the Philadelphia Eagles. Take a listen. I think the Chiefs. I just I don't know. I, I just I just I just think uh the hey, Philly has definitely has Kelsey. Even they got their hands full. They got their, they got they got their hands full. I don't know. I don't know um fully about that defense. Um I don't know. I, they talk about him being a good defense. I'm not too sure. I'm not I'm not sure. I think the, I think the pass game um this Kansas City pass game will uh expose what we thought we were going to be able to expose. Um, before some unfortunate circumstances happen. So we'll see. We'll see. But like I said, you got to get lucky to win the Super Bowl. Um, and they just got oh, yeah. extremely lucky last week. So who's to say they can't do it twice? Those were Brandon Ayuk, the receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Those were his comments on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to start off by saying this. I like Brandon Ayuk. I really, really do. You look at Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, he came out of Sierra College. He was the 25th pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Obviously, he was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers for his career. 194 receptions, 2,589 receiving yards, 21 total touchdowns in his young career. I like Brandon Ayuk a lot as a player. I really, really do. But my question for Brandon Ayuk is right now, Brandon, what the hell are you talking about right now? Because this Philadelphia Eagles defense, they've been one of the best defensive units in the NFL, if not the best, all season long. And total yards given up per game. The Eagles, they only give up 330 yards per game. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. Against the pass, they only give up 180 passing yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. And they only give up 20 points per game, which is also tied for seventh in the NFL, which is top 10 in the NFL. So this Eagles defense has been one of the best defensive units in the NFL all season long. You can't blame the Philadelphia Eagles defense because Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson got injured. Are you kidding me? Now, I do, I want to say this, because I last week on the show, I said that if Brock Purdy didn't get injured, I believe the NFC Championship game would have been much closer than it was because of those injuries. Because of those injuries, it completely messed up the NFC Championship game. And I think if the Niners had Brock Purdy, they would have had a chance to beat the Eagles. I picked the Eagles going into the NFC Championship, but it wouldn't have surprised me if the 49ers pulled it off. But I think he disrespected the Philadelphia Eagles defense, saying that they got lucky and lucked up when they've been a dominant unit all season 
long. This ain't something that just came about in the playoffs. The Eagles defensively have been arguably the best defense in the NFL all season long. Up front, you got Fletcher Cox. You got Brandon Graham. You got Sweat as your pass rusher, okay? In your secondary, we know that their secondary is one of the best in the NFL. You got big play Darius Slay. You got James Bradbury. You got C.J. Gardner-Johnson, okay? So this Philadelphia Eagles defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL, led by defensive coordinator John Gannon. And it's funny because, again, I love Brandon Ayuk. I really, really do. I think he's a great number two option at receiver for the 49ers. But he's talking about the Eagles and their defensive struggles, possibly in a Super Bowl against Mahomes. What about his defense? Uh, let's take you back to week seven. This is in San Francisco. The Chiefs beat the 49ers 44 to 23. Mahomes hung 44 points on that elite 49er defense. And I know they are elites. I love that 49ers defense. They were led by a previous defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. He is now the head coach in Houston. And I love that 49ers defense. But Brandon Ayuk's talking about the Eagles defense and how they have lucked up and how they may struggle against the Chiefs' offense and Mahomes. But Ayuk, your defense couldn't even stop Patrick Mahomes. Your defense gave up 44 points to Mahomes and company. Total yards, 529 total yards. Chiefs go 6 of 9 on third down. In that game, Mahomes had over 400 passing yards completing over 50% of his passes in that game. So I love that 49ers defense. They are elite. But don't disrespect the Eagles defense, Brandon. Just because your team has some unfortunate injuries doesn't mean that this Eagles defense is not elite. They big time. They really, really are. And again, in a lot of major statistical categories, defensively, they're top five. But that's the first thing I want to get off my chest. First thing I want to talk about was his comments on that Eagles defense. And then you look at how they're able to also apply pressure up front. This was before the NFC Championship game. The Eagles, they had the third most sacks in a season, including the playoffs. They had 78 sacks for the entire season in the regular season and in the postseason and they had three sacks against the 49ers in the NFC championship so this also was a part of the NFC championship game 78 total sacks only the 1985 and 1984 Bears had more sacks than the Eagles have had so we know that this defensive team in the Philadelphia Eagles is one of if not the best in the NFL that hit that Hassan Reddick had on Brock Purdy, that was a big-time hit. That was a big-time hit. So I had to address those comments by Brandon Ayuk before I get into this actual matchup. Now, one of the things I'm looking forward to the most in this game, before I really break down the X's and O's of the game, 
I'm excited because this will be the first Super Bowl to feature two black starting quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. I love that. I love the fact that we have our first Super Bowl with two black starting quarterbacks. I love that. Man, I, that's something that we, we got to mention when we talk about this particular football game. You, you got to talk about how this is the first matchup between two black quarterbacks. And don't give me Mahomes isn't black. He's black, okay? Mahomes is black. Mahomes versus Hurts. I love it. First quarterback matchup with two black quarterbacks. Man, it's big time. Also, this is the Andy Reid Super Bowl. Now, Andy Reid, obviously he's won a Super Bowl since he's been the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs, has they have been to the AFC Championship game the last five seasons. Three out of the last four seasons, they've been in the Super Bowl led by Andy Reid. But we can't forget about the job that Andy Reid did while he was the head coach in Philly. In Philly, as the head coach, Andy Reid, he was 130-93-1. He had nine playoff appearances, six division titles, and five NFC Championship game appearances. He coached in that Super Bowl against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, that Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl. Patriots end up beating the Eagles. That was Donovan McNabb on that team. T.O. was also on that team. So I'm excited to see Andy Reid go up against his former team. I, I, I'm very, very excited about that. Nick Sirianni, the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, he's done a tremendous job since he's been the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I remember when Doug Peterson got fired by the Eagles. I didn't like it. I, I was not a supporter of the Eagles firing Doug Peterson, considering what Doug Peterson had accomplished as the Eagles head coach. He had won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. He was able to lead Carson Wentz to an MVP caliber season. Now, that year, Carson Wentz didn't win MVP, but he was a candidate for sure before his injury. And I thought that Doug Peterson had done enough to keep his job in Philly. So when the Eagles, Jeffrey Lohr, the general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles, when they hired Nick Sirianni, I was confused. I, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, I don't like this hire. And Nick Sirianni has done a tremendous job since he's been the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Very, very underrated job as their head coach. And we're not giving him enough credit. In the regular season, he's 23 and 11. So he's won 68% of his games. He's 2 and 1 in the postseason. Last year, they got to the playoffs and they were an underdog and they got blew out by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But last year, it was a major accomplishment for Nick Sirianni to get the Eagles to the postseason. And then this year, leading the Eagles to a 14-3 and record, the number one seed in the NFC, having the road to the Super Bowl, had to go through Lincoln Financial Field. Nick Sirianni has done a tremendous job in these two years since he's been the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He really, really has. But let's give him some credit for that. Now, this Eagles team is loaded. 
They are loaded. Offensively, they got A.J. Brown at receiver. They got Devontae Smith as well. They got Quez Watkins in their, as a slot receiver. At tight end, they got Goddard in their backfield. They got Boston Scott. They got Miles Sanders. We know how dynamic Jalen Hurts is as a quarterback. And Jalen Hurts this year, before his injury, Jalen Hurts was a legit NFL MVP candidate. He finished the season with 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,701 passing yards. He completed 67% of his passes. And with Jalen Hurts under center, the Eagles offensively have been the best offense in the NFL. They are 15-1 under Jalen Hurts. They averaged 29 points per game. They averaged 392 total yards per game. They averaged 164 rushing yards per game with 34 rushing touchdowns. That's with Jalen Hurts. Now, one of the questions going into the Super Bowl is going to be how healthy is that shoulder going to be for Jalen Hurts as we head into the Super Bowl? He's had two weeks to rest that shoulder up and have that shoulder heal from his previous injury. He's had some time to heal that shoulder. And I thought, honestly, in the division round against the Giants and in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers, I thought there were some plays that Jalen Hurts left on the field. I really, really did. And that's because of that injured shoulder. He's had two weeks to prepare and heal that shoulder. He's going to need that shoulder to be healed to win this game because I believe that the Eagles offense is going to have to put up some points. They really, really are. Now, when I look at the Eagles offense versus the Chiefs defense, the Eagles, their offensive coordinator is Steve Starkin, and the Chiefs defensive coordinator is Steve Spagnola. This is going to be a different challenge for Steve Spagnola because the Bengals' running game is not as effective as the Eagles' running game is. The Eagles' running game, it consists of Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Jalen Hurts. And it's, it's crazy because the Eagles, they are the first team in NFL history to have three players with two rushing touchdowns in a single postseason. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott all have two rushing touchdowns apiece. So the Bengals, they got Joe Mixon and Sam Pirine. The Eagles, they got a three-headed attack at the running game with Jalen Hurts, with Miles Sanders, and Boston Scott. So it's going to be important for the Chiefs' defense to step up and try to contain this Eagles' rushing attack. That's going to be very, very important. Now, you look at what the Chiefs have been able to do Defensively, they're ranked eighth against the running game in the NFL. So against the run, they're ranked eighth. They give up 107 total rushing yards per game. And I'm looking for Chris Jones to have another big-time performance in this game. And I think that Chiefs defensive line, they're going to have to battle against that Eagles offensive line. That Chiefs defensive line, they got Chris Jones up front. They got Frank Clark as well. 
They got Kalen Sanders. They got Willie Gay at linebacker on the second level. They got Carlos Dunlap also as a pass rusher. They got to create some pressure against this Eagles offensive line and force Jalen Hurts to throw the football quick and in a hurry. I think Chris Jones is going to have to have a big-time performance again in the Super Bowl the same way he had a great performance against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. Remember last year in the Super Bowl, Aaron Donald completely dominated the second half of the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams? That's the type of performance that Chris Jones is going to have to have against this elite Eagles offense. Now, offensively, the Eagles' offensive line is the best in the NFL, and they completely dominated the Giants in the division around of the playoffs, and they did a great job even against the 49ers in the trenches as well. At center, you got Jason Kelsey. You got Landon Dickerson. You got Jordan Mailata. Right guard, you got Isaiah Samala, Lane Johnson as well. Isaac Samala. I'm sorry, not Isaiah. Isaac Samala. So that Eagles offensive line versus that Chiefs defensive line, that's going to be key. That's going to be key. Can Chris Jones, can Frank Clark, can Carlos Dunlap, can they create some havoc up front and apply some pressure on Jalen Hurts and this elite Eagles offense? But the thing is, the Eagles have the ability also to throw the football with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside on the perimeter. They have that. And I don't think that those Chiefs DBs match up well against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They got Legereus Sneed. He's questionable for this game, but he's more than likely he's going to play. And they got Trent McDuffie as well as their DBs. I like the Eagles receivers in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith against Trent Duffy and Legereus Sneed. I like the Eagles to win that matchup. I really, really do. But it's going to be an interesting matchup on that side of the ball. And let's switch gears to the Chiefs offense versus the Eagles defense. Offensively, we know that the Chiefs are led by Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes for the season, 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 5,520 passing yards, completing 67% of his passes this year. Patrick Mahomes in five seasons as a starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. He has been in the AFC Championship game all five years. He's been in the Super Bowl three out of the five years that he's been the starting quarterback for the Chiefs. And he's also been to three out of the last four Super Bowls over the last few seasons. Three out of the last four, Patrick Mahomes has participated in the Super Bowl. And you look at what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do in his playoff career. This is his all-time rank. His passer rating is 106.1. That's ranked first all-time. He's completed 67% of his passes. That's ranked first all-time. These are all-time rankings amongst other all-time great quarterbacks. He averages 326 total yards per game. That's ranked first all-time. He averages 2.5 passing touchdowns per game 
that's ranked first all time, and his touchdown interception ratio is five or four point five seven, which is also ranked first all time. So in every major statistical category, Patrick Mahomes is ranked first when it comes to quarterbacks. Now, here's where Patrick Mahomes has struggled. In the Super Bowl, he's been in the Super Bowl twice so far in his career. In the Super Bowl, Mahomes has two touchdowns and four interceptions. Remember, against the 49ers, they were trailing in that game. In the first three quarters of the Super Bowl against the 49ers, Mahomes was struggling. He was struggling, and he had to overcome a 10-point deficit in the Super Bowl that season. But in the Super Bowl, two touchdowns and four interceptions is not very good. And if he struggles in this Super Bowl, there's going to be some people that's going to say, like, hey, yes, he wins AFC Championship games. And yes, he has the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but he doesn't perform well in the Super Bowl. There's going to be some people that's going to say that if he struggles in this particular Super Bowl. But Patrick Mahomes, the path that he's on, he's already on a path to become a top three quarterback of all time. That's the type of path that he's on and the type of career he's had so far since he's been the starting quarterback of the Chiefs. This is the most playoff wins before turning 28 in NFL history when it comes to quarterbacks. Tom Brady has nine. Ben Roethlisberger has eight. Mahomes has 10 playoff wins before turning 28 in NFL history. That's the most. That's the most ever. So, man, I mean, he's big time. We know how dynamic Patrick Mahomes is and how, how I talked about Jalen Hurts and his shoulder. How healthy is Patrick Mahomes' ankle going to be in this matchup? Because if he's close to being 100%, that's going to help the Chiefs be able to expand their playbook because Mahomes will have his mobility. That's going to be very, very key. This Eagles defense is elite. And I think in order for the Chiefs to score points against this, this Eagles defense, they're going to need Mahomes to be close to 100% as possible. He's going to have to be able to make some plays with his legs. He can't sit back there in the pocket like he did against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game and expect to have success against this Eagles defense. Because I believe that this Eagles defense, John Gannon and that Eagles defense, they will come after Patrick Mahomes. They will send the house and Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, they will apply some pressure on Mahomes. And if he can't move in the pocket and be mobile, that could be trouble for this Chiefs offense. It really, really could. That's going to be key as well. Also, we know that the Kansas City Chiefs, their best playmaker offensively is Travis Kelsey. And I believe that Travis Kelsey is on a Hall of Fame trajectory when it comes to tight ends. He might be the best tight end in the NFL and the best tight end in NFL history. We know we've had some great, great tight ends in history with Tony Gonzalez, with Shannon Sharp, with Rob Gronkowski. It's a possibility that Travis Kelsey could be better than all the other all-time great tight ends. Seriously. Travis Kelsey, this is this 2022 season, including the playoffs, 
and I believe this was before the AFC Championship game. He has 110 receptions. That's ranked third in the NFL. 1,338 receiving yards. That's ranked eighth in the NFL. 12 receiving touchdowns. That's ranked second in the NFL. So that tandem with Mahomes and Kelsey, it's unstoppable. It's as good as Brady and Gronkowski. It's as good as Aikman and Irving. You know, Michael Irving and Troy Aikman, they was great in their heyday with the Dallas Cowboys. It's as good as Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. That's how good Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is as a tandem on the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. Now we know offensively the Chiefs, they are led by Andy Reid and Eric Bellamy. Now Eric B, because it's hard for me to pronounce his name, Eric B is a tremendous offensive coordinator. He really, really is. He does a great job calling plays for this Chiefs offense. I think that the Chiefs offense, one of their keys is going to be if they can run the football. Because as great as the Eagles defense has been all season long, you can run the football against this Eagles defense. Defensively, the Eagles, they give up 122 rushing yards per game. That's tied for 16th in the NFL. Now, the Chiefs, they only average 116 rushing yards per game, which is ranked 20th in the NFL. But I think that's going to be key for the Chiefs. I think offensively, they got to run the football with Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon to allow that Eagles pass rush to not be as effective. If you drop Patrick Mahomes back to pass 40, 45 times in this game, I think that could be a recipe for disaster for the Chiefs. Now, we know that Mahomes is more than capable at being able to drop back the pass over 40 times a game and not have any mistakes. He can literally carry your offense. But I think it's going to be important for Eric B. and Andy Reid to rely on their running game with Pacheco and with McKinnon. That way, those pass rushers like Fletcher Cox, like Brandon Graham, like Hassan Reddick, like Sweat, they won't be able to just tee off and go after Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be key. Now, when it comes to injuries in the Super Bowl, which is also going to be a key factor. Remember, in the AFC Championship game, Patrick Mahomes, he lost Kadarius Toney, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Nicole Hartman. Nicole Hartman was also out. Hartman has already been ruled out for the Super Bowl. Now, Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney, they are questionable for the Super Bowl. They're going to have to play for the Chiefs to have a chance. I expect them to play. But an X factor for the Chiefs is going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I thought MVS did a great job stepping up in the absence last week of Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney, and Nicole Hartman. MVS had a great AFC Championship performance. Six receptions, 116 receiving yards, had a touchdown reception as well. And we know he's played in big games before, while he was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So I'm looking for MVS to also step up in this game. Remember in the second half against the Bengals, 
Patrick Mahomes was throwing the ball to MVS, Sky Moore, Noah Gray. That's who he was throwing the ball to in the second half of the AFC Championship game. And he still was able to will the Chiefs to a win. So, I mean, overall, when I look at the Super Bowl, I believe top to bottom, man to a man, the Eagles have the more complete football team. But the Chiefs have a puncher's chance because they have Patrick Mahomes. And when you got a guy like Mahomes at quarterback, I believe that Patrick Mahomes can be the difference maker and make up for you being the inferior football team. When you have a dynamic quarterback, that could be, that could be the difference maker in this game. And that could make up for the lack of depth that you have at different positions, top to bottom, when you compare your team against the team that you're going up against. Like even in the NBA, with LeBron James, year after year after year, leading the Cleveland Cavaliers to the NBA Finals, when he went up against the Warriors, we knew the Warriors had more superior basketball teams than the Cavaliers had. But we always gave the Cavs a puncher's chance because they had LeBron James. We got to give Patrick Mahomes that same respect. We got to give Patrick Mahomes that same respect. Again, top to bottom, the Eagles have the more complete football team. They really, really do. Top to bottom. But I believe that the Chiefs have the best quarterback on the field and the best player on the field Sunday evening in Arizona. It's going to be a tremendous football game between two great, great football teams. I'm excited for the Kelsey brothers in this game. Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey for the Eagles. And I love hearing Travis Kelsey talk about how his mom gets an opportunity because no matter what, she wins. She gets to see both her boys compete for a Super Bowl. And whoever wins, she's going to be happy about it. She'll be happy about it. So great, great Super Bowl Sunday evening in Arizona. I believe that the game is going to be very, very close. And I think that these two teams are two of the best teams that we have right now in the NFL. I really, really believe that. But with all that being said, I believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl I'm going Eagles 27, Chiefs 21. I think it's going to be close, but I think the Eagles are going to outlast the Chiefs. And I think the Super Bowl MVP is going to be A.J. Brown. That's my Super Bowl MVP. Not Jalen Hurts. Y'all hear the music in the background. Eagles 27, Chiefs 21. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at wiseguys underscore weight. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come out the break, I'm going to discuss Devontae Adams actively recruiting Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Yes, you hear it in the background. I got the Eagles beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in Arizona. It's Super Bowl 57 in Arizona. Sometimes I get the numbers mixed up. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. That is the number to dial. Going to be a big-time Super Bowl matchup between two great teams in the Chiefs and the Eagles. But I'm going to I got the, again, I got the Eagles beating the, the Chiefs 27-21. So give me your Super Bowl prediction, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Let's transition to Las Vegas. Let's talk about Devontae Adams actively recruiting Aaron Rodgers. So Devontae Adams this week, he was at the Pro Bowl. And Devontae Adams has some interesting comments on Aaron Rodgers. This also comes in the immediate aftermath. Last week, someone had asked Devontae Adams on Twitter. They said, where is Aaron Rodgers going to live in 2023? What neighborhood is he going to live in? And Devontae Adams responded, mine, my neighborhood. That's where he's going to live. So everyone talked about, oh, is Devontae trying to recruit Aaron to Las Vegas? Is the Raiders going to trade for Aaron Rodgers? And so Devontae Adams doubled down on expressing his desire for Aaron Rodgers to play in Las Vegas. This was this week at the Pro Bowl. Devontae Adams said, quote, a million percent, a hundred percent. That's exactly what I'm trying to portray when discussing him trying to recruit Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas. And so when I thought about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers going to the Las Vegas Raiders, first, I'm a Packers fan, so I got to address Aaron Rodgers as a Green Bay Packer and how I feel about him moving forward. Last year, Aaron Rodgers statistically had one of his worst seasons as a quarterback. Last year, he had 26 touchdowns. That was ranked seventh in the NFL. He had 12 interceptions, which was tied for 24th in the NFL. His average passing yards per attempt was 6.8. That was ranked 23rd in the NFL. He averaged 217 passing yards per game. That was ranked 11th in the NFL, and he completed 65% of his passes, which was ranked 20th in the NFL. All of those rankings were amongst the worst of his career, and this season was arguably the worst career when it comes to a performance standpoint from Aaron Rodgers. This was the worst year he's had since he's been a starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And... Aaron Rodgers, in the last three years in the postseason, he has come up short when the lights were at its brightest at Lambeau Field. And this is a part of the reason why I am okay and I have accepted that maybe Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback that's going to be able to win another Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers organization. I've had to come to the realization and accept the fact that 
Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well in big, meaningful games anymore. And the numbers back it up. Let's go back to the 2020 NFC Championship game, shall we? This is Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter in the final game in the last three seasons. 2020 NFC Championship game in the fourth quarter at Lambeau in a game where Tom Brady threw three interceptions. This was Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter. Four of 11 passing, 54 passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. His passer rating was 52.8 that afternoon at Lambeau Field in his house with a chance to go to the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. And Tom Brady threw three interceptions in that game. Let's fast forward to the 2021 divisional round playoff game against the 49ers. Aaron Rodgers kryptonite in the playoffs. In the fourth quarter of that game, Aaron Rodgers goes four of seven passing, 17 passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. His passer rating was 62.2. Now, in that game, the Packers defense didn't give up a single touchdown. Aaron Rodgers at his house in Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers couldn't score more than 10 points. And the Packers defense that night, they did their job. They did their job holding that 49ers offense to only, only six points. Because the seven points that the 49ers scored on their touchdown that they had was on a block punt. So that 49ers offense didn't even score a single touchdown. And Aaron Rodgers couldn't even score over 10 points in that playoff game. And you fast forward to this season. This is the season finale at Lambeau in his house, fourth quarter. Aaron Rodgers goes two of six passing, 12 passing yards, zero touchdown, one interception. His passer rating was 2.8. So each year, it's gotten worse. And for whatever reason, in these big, meaningful playoff games, Aaron Rodgers doesn't play up to his expectations and his standard that he has set so far in his career. Lately, Aaron Rodgers has been pathetic in big, meaningful playoff games as a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And everyone keeps talking about how the Packers need to improve on this, the Packers need to improve on that. No. Coming from a Packers fan, it's Aaron Rodgers' performance that has to improve in these big playoff games in order for the Packers to get back to the Super Bowl, something they haven't done since 2010. Quit blaming Matt LaFleur. Quit blaming the Packers' defense. Quit blaming the Packers' receivers. And blame Aaron freaking Rodgers. It's time for Aaron Rodgers to show some accountability. I'm tired of year after year after year after the game, Packer fans, NFL analysts blame the defense. They want to blame the receiving core. They want to blame Matt LaFleur. They want to blame Brian Gutekus, the general manager for the Packers. No, at some point, you got to blame Aaron Rodgers. Mind you, this past season, Aaron Rodgers got paid 50 
million. Remember in the offseason last year, he signed a three-year, I believe it was a $150 million new contract. And the Packers paying Aaron Rodgers $50 million a year to not even make the playoffs? At some point, Aaron Rodgers has become more trouble than he's worth. We know he's a diva. One of the biggest divas in the NFL, always doing an interview with Pat McAfee week after week after week. And there's been so many times this previous year where he didn't show the leadership that he was supposed to show. You know you're going to have rookie receivers in Christian Watson, in Romeo Dobbs. You know that in order for the Packers offense to flow at a high level, you need to go to the offseason program and help your young receivers develop chemistry on the field. That way, when the Packers open the season, they can be firing on all cylinders because they've already developed chemistry with their Hall of Fame quarterback. Remember earlier in the season when the Packers were struggling? They went on that like five or six game losing streak in the middle of the season. And Aaron Rodgers were talking about, we're going to have to cut reps if guys can't make plays. No, Aaron, you need to get your ass in there in the offseason. If you're going to commit to playing another season, you need to commit to the offseason program as well and develop chemistry in the offseason with Christian Watson, with Romeo Dobbs, with Sam Tourier. Okay? That's what makes Tom Brady so great. Tom Brady embraced the offseason and embraced going to offseason workouts and throwing seven-on-seven passes with his receivers. That's how you become great. It's not all about what you do September, October, November, and December. It's about what you do in June, July, August, when no one is watching. Don't just show up to training camp thinking, oh, we'll be able to just pick up where we left off from last season. No, get in there any the offseason and develop some chemistry with your young receivers. But again, moving forward, I used to be opposed and against trading Aaron Rodgers. I always said, I want Aaron Rodgers to retire a Green Bay Packer. After this loss, this previous year to the Detroit Lions and not even participating in the playoffs, crazy as it sounds, I've reached my breaking point. And I'm okay with the Packers moving on from Aaron Rodgers. And that's from my perspective as a Packers fan. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I've been hearing all this, these rumors about the possibility of Rodgers going to New York and playing with the Jets, possibility of him going to Tennessee and playing with the Titans, possibility of him going to Las Vegas and playing with the Raiders. And I started thinking to myself, well, I've been hearing all this over the last few weeks. If you're Aaron Rodgers, why the hell would you go to the AFC to try to get back to a Super Bowl? Because in the AFC, you got Joe Burrow, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Josh Allen, you got Trevor Lawrence, 
You got Lamar Jackson. You got Justin Herbert. You got Russell Wilson now that Sean Payton is the head coach in Denver. I believe in order for Aaron Rodgers to get back to another Super Bowl, his easiest path would be to actually stay with the Green Bay Packers in the NFC. It makes no sense for Aaron Rodgers to go to the AFC with all of that competition he's going to have to go up against. Now, I still believe Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback despite his struggles this previous year. I still think Aaron Rodgers can produce at a high level. The only questions about Aaron Rodgers is, can he elevate his game in key pivotal moments in football games? That's the only question I got about Aaron Rodgers. Four-time NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl NFL MVP. The man has the best touchdown-interception ratio in NFL history. The only questions that I have about Aaron Rodgers is about how he performs in big playoff games. That's the only question I have about Aaron Rodgers. He's answered the call when it comes to everything else. And he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But I don't believe it would be a good idea for Aaron Rodgers to go to the AFC. I believe an easier path for him to get back to another Super Bowl is to stay in the NFC. And honestly, if he stays in the NFC, I believe that he's still the best quarterback in the NFC. I mean, Jalen Hurts had a great season this year, but we have to see some consistency from Jalen Hurts before we can say he's the best quarterback in the conference, right? We know it ain't Dak Prescott. I'm looking at the NFC. Damn sure ain't Daniel Jones. It's not Kirk Cousins. It's not Jared Goff. Aaron Rodgers, if he returns, Back to Green Bay, he would be the best quarterback in the NFC this season, especially with Tom Brady retiring. Also, if he goes to the Raiders, the Raiders have been one of the worst defensive teams in the NFL. And the last time Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl, he had a top 10 defense that season. Defensively, these are the Raiders' statistics this previous year. They're bottom half in a lot of major categories. They give up 377 total yards per game. That's ranked 27th in the NFL. They give up 243 passing yards per game. That's ranked 29th in the NFL. They give up 25 points per game. That's ranked 26th in the NFL. And teams convert 42% of the time on third down against that Raiders' defense. That's ranked 26 in the NFL. So I like their offensive personnel. Their offensive personnel with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro, with Darren Waller at tight end, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. I like their personnel offensively. And I like Josh McDaniels with Aaron Rodgers. I think that's going to be interesting dynamic from a head coaching and quarterback perspective because I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to appreciate Aaron Rodgers having his weekly appearance on Pat McAfee's show when he critiques the Raiders team as a whole. I don't think that's something that Josh McDaniels or Mark Davis, the owner for the Raiders, would like. But I think that, again, as a Packers fan, I'm okay with us finally moving on from Aaron Rodgers and seeing what we got in Jordan Love. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, I've reached my breaking point with Aaron over these last three years with these terrible performances in big games. But again, I also believe if you're Aaron Rodgers from a personal standpoint and trying to get back to another Super Bowl, 
I think it's best if Aaron Rodgers stays in the NFC and his best chance to get back to the Super Bowl is in Green Bay, not Las Vegas or in New York. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. These guys know sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss this Tyreek Nichols situation in Memphis. I'll be right back. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call into the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial on the show tonight. Give me your predictions for... Super Bowl 57 in Arizona, Chiefs, Eagles, Mahomes, Hurts. First Super Bowl matchup between two starting black quarterbacks in NFL history. I'm here for it. I am definitely here for it. The Andy Reid Bowl going up against his former team and the Kelsey brothers, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, will be facing off against each other in the Super Bowl this Sunday. Let's transition. and. We have to end the show tonight on a sad note. Something I've been wanting to discuss for a couple weeks. Ain't been able to discuss this particular incident involving Tyreek Nichols. So Tyreek Nichols was killed by police January the 7th in Memphis. And this is something, again, I want to discuss a few weeks ago on the show, but I wasn't able to get to it. Been so many things going on. And the Memphis Grizzlies, they had... Um, something that they said about Tyreek Nichols. This was their comments on Tyreek Nichols. He was killed by police again January 7th in Memphis. And this is the Memphis Grizzlies on Tyreek Nichols. Quote, we are distraught to find ourselves dealing with a needless loss of life due to police brutality. And this time it was one of Memphis's own. We're thinking of the Nicholas family and friends and share the pain being felt throughout our community. So let's support each other and respect how our fellow Memphians are coping. We have faith in this city and our power to heal. To the Nicholas family and friends, we offer our deepest sympathies and condolences for your loss. That was the Memphis Grizzlies comments on the Tyreek Nichols situation. He was killed by the police. January 7th in Memphis by the Memphis Police Department. So when I look at this situation involving Tyreek Nichols, it's so hard for me to talk about it because I, I get emotional uh, talking about it. And the, the footage, the video footage was released um, from, from this a few weeks ago. And when I think about this situation involving Tyreek Nichols, unlike Trayvon Martin, Unlike Brianna Taylor, unlike Freddie Gray, unlike Tamir Rice, unlike Eric Gardner, unlike Felito Castillo, unlike 
George Floyd, unlike Michael Brown, Tyree Nichols was killed by black police officers. And when I looked at the story, like, I had to read it like two or three times and make sure I was reading it correctly because as a black man in America, we know that police brutality is something that we have to think about whenever we are pulled over by a police officer, a white police officer. We always think about making it home to our families. It's something that we have to think about as black men in our community. And so unlike those previous situations where the, the citizens that I named, God rest their beautiful souls, they were killed at the hands of the police. This was a different situation because this was involving five black police officers. And I know this is a sports show and I know I talk about sports on my show, but I think it's important to talk about an issue that has been going on in our community, but also something that is significantly different than what has happened in the past, given the fact that these were black police officers. I was listening to the great Al Sharpton, and when he was talking about this incident involving Tyree Nichols and these police officers, he said that these police officers were a disgrace to our race, and they were a disgrace to humanity. And I believe that it is my job as a sports analyst and as someone that's talking about this situation that we've been dealing with in our community. And, you know, I think it's my job to name these despicable human beings who are murderers who killed Tyree Nichols. To Darius Bean, Demetrius Haley, Justin Smith, Desmond Mills Jr., Emmett Martin III. Those were the five police officers who've been charged with aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, and they also were charged with second-degree murder of Tyree Nichols, those five police officers. I want everyone to understand what took place that night, January 7th in Memphis. That night, the police officers, they pulled Tyree Nichols over, and you look at the, at the video footage, they immediately started to attack Tyree Nichols. They were aggressive from the get-go. Like, I was watching the video, and I was thinking, does one of these officers know Tyree personally? That's how it came across. Like, what the hell was going on here? It, it did not look like your typical traffic stop. They were aggressive as soon as they pulled this young man over. So they pull him over. They're aggressive. And if you're watching the video, you could, you, you'll be able to tell their body cams, their body cams got cut off. And when the body cams got cut off, they were acting as if Tyree Nichols was resisting arrest, but they already had him contained. They already had him contained. But he was able to run away from the officers and he ran down the street 
They finally caught back up to him. And there was surveillance footage that was caught on camera of the officers beating Tyree Nichols to death. Their body cams were cut off and you couldn't see what they were doing visibly. You couldn't see it because it was cut off. And they were pretending as if he was resisting arrest, but he was already contained. There was one shot of an officer who literally went up to Tyree Nichols, kicked him twice. He kicked him like he was kicking a football on a football field. Kicked him twice. They used batons and they literally beat him to death. And thank God for that surveillance video footage that we had that night that we were able to pull from because if we didn't have that surveillance footage, they would have been able to give the perception that Tyreek Nichols was resisting arrest and that's why they killed this man. They literally beat this man to death. And even after they beat him, like there was no one in the midst of all this happening, not one police officer, not one, stopped what was going on and said, what the hell are we doing here? What is going on here? Like, why are we beating this man like this? Why are y'all putting your hands on this man aggressively and killing him in this manner? This is one of our own. This is one of our brothers. All five of these officers are despicable human beings and they are murderers. And I hope that they are put in jail for life. We've seen so many cases in previous years where African-American men died at the hands of the police, but it was white police officers. I have never seen a situation where black police officers literally kill and beat one of their own people. I've never seen that before. And that's why, like I said, I was watching the video and I was thinking, does one of these officers know Tyree personally? Like, why are they treating him like this? This is ridiculous. You don't treat anybody in this manner. Like, what the hell was going on here? And then afterwards, they didn't even have the emergency, the EMT and the paramedics. They didn't even have them rush to Tyree Nichols to save his life. They sat there with him for minutes and minutes and minutes, not realizing that this man was already beaten. He was already beaten. He was already done. He was done before they even started kicking him and, and punching him and stuff. So, man, it, it hurt me. It hurt me to watch that video footage of them beating him that way. And I, I listened to his mother in her, in her interview after he passed away and how the police, they came to the house and they basically said like, hey, he resisted arrest. He's at the hospital. They wasn't trying to give his mother much information. And 
I, I just feel bad for the for the entire Nichols family. They're 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 they are in my prayers and they're and, and they got my deepest sympathies. Seriously. But these five police officers, Tadarius Bean, Demetrius Haley, Emmett Martin III, Desmond Mills Jr., and Justin Smith, they should all five be charged with first degree murder. And they should be all thrown in jail for life. In the same way that they were indicted quick, fast, and in a hurry, this is the same way the procedure should go for white police officers who kill African Americans in the streets as well. The same way they were prosecuted and charged with aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, and second-degree murder, that's the same way we need to handle situations in the future because it's going to happen again. That's the same way we need to handle situations with the white police officers killing African-Americans in the streets. And it's crazy because as a black man, like, if I get pulled over and I am get pulled over by a black police officer, because we can relate to each other and he can understand me. I always feel more secure when I'm pulled over by a black police officer compared to when I'm pulled over by a white police officer. And I think like, well, maybe he may let me go. Maybe he may give me a ticket, but he's going to just, you know, talk to me and explain to me that I can't speed anymore. I can't run that stop sign anymore. And whatever the case may be, I, I, I always think like if it's a black police officer, he's going to, not be aggressive okay he's, he's going he's going to be relaxed and you know in this situation seeing how they beat tyree nichols to death it, it it scares me it scares me and honestly they look at us and as pieces as, as, as trash like seriously, like if we can't have our own black police officers on the force protect us then we have no one who could protect us. No one. Nobody. This is, I mean, I, I, I was at a loss for words watching that video. Go watch it on YouTube. It's, 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 it's hard to watch. But again, I hope these officers are, are prosecuted to the farthest degree, and I hope they spend the rest of their lives in jail. And you always have a few bad apples on the police force, but someone should have stepped up and stopped these officers. Someone should have said, what the hell is going on here? We Like, what are we doing? Unbelievable. But again, I, 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 get, I send my deepest prayers and thoughts to the Nichols family. I give my deepest prayers to Tyree Nichols, his mother and his father as well. The, the man was only... He only weigh a, a buck fifty, so these these were like he's only a buck fifty, and y'all beating him to a pup. The man had a child as well, and he was a a, a hardworking individual in our community. And so I pray for the city of Memphis tonight. I pray for the Nichols family, and I I just hope and pray that these officers are are given the the worst possible punishment and they in jail for life and this was insane 
But everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Great, great show tonight. I may be back on Friday talking some more Super Bowl 57. It's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's Jalen Hurts and the Eagles for the rights to win Super Bowl 57. Going to be a great matchup out there in Arizona. And again, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to some to some great football on Sunday. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. I'm Trey Larkin signing off the Worldwide Sports Network on the Wise Guys Podcast. Enjoy your night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.